Thanks, Chloe. That actually goes well with some of what we're going to be talking about tonight, too, so that's really great. But I'm Ramsey. I'm glad to be here with you guys. And I was just reminiscing a little bit as I was sitting here with Chad and Jason. I know some former OU alum, and they've, they've done really well. One of them, or all three of them I know, were on a summer mission that I was on in 2005, actually. But one was the mascot for OU, so that was pretty cool. She did pretty well for herself. The other one was, his name's Colin Beck. If you watch HGTV at all, he and his wife just won like this big competition for this show on HGTV from OU. And the other one is named Riley, and he's planning churches in Paris right now. So all great people, all great you know, things. Not, so I have high expectations for you guys, right? You're going to be doing pretty well. Um, but I'm excited to be here. It's the first time at OU for me. Your campus is beautiful. I loved it. Uh, Chad took me to the pizza place downtown. I don't even know what it was. Good fellas, and it was it was good. I'm burping it a little bit right now, so I apologize, but um, it was good. So, but as as I understand, you guys do a little bit of discussion during your meetings sometimes, right? And so, I actually wanted to start with a discussion question tonight. So you're going to turn to your neighbors and talk a little bit about this, and it's a little bit of a unique question. But if you could know how your life will end, would you want to know? So that's it. Just turn to your question, turn to your neighbor and ask that question and discuss whether you would want to know or not. I told you it was a bit of a unique question. Uh, Probably as college students, I would guess death or the end of life is something you probably don't think about too often. I know as a college student, it was not something I thought about all that often either, but it's true. The older you get, the more you kind of start to think about it and what it'll be like. Maybe when it'll happen, how it'll happen, what emotions will I have, what regrets might I have, Maybe, maybe even like a hope or a doubt about whether you'll be following Jesus at that time. But we're finishing a story, or a series tonight, not a story, a series tonight called The Glories of the Gospel. And as I understand, you guys have been looking at this each week because the gospel is incredible. It's something that we can share in a short, concise way in just a few minutes. Or It's also something that we can look at for all of our lifetimes to understand. And I'm stoked to be able to, to help you guys close out this series tonight. And I'm going to be using a passage from... First Thessalonians, which is, has become one of my favorite 
epistles. It's one of the letters that Paul wrote. It's one of my favorite epistles in, in the Bible. And so just to give you a little background on who the Thessalonians were, it was a church that Paul visited very briefly. He was there for just a few weeks that most believe, before he was run out of town. And it was so bad, it was like the people followed him where he went next. So it would be like people from Morgantown followed me here just to heckle me during your meeting. I mean, it was really bad. But even more than that, um, it was probably a little bit more like a church in Afghanistan or something today. It was a very heavily persecuted church. And this letter is one that Paul, he has left the church, um, been run out of town, and he's just received a good report about how they're doing amidst all this persecution. And so he's writing a letter back just to encourage them about how excited he is that he's been able to experience this and see them doing well. The first three chapters are that, an encouragement to them and their walk and who they are. The chapters four and five kind of move into instructions about, you know, how to live the Christian life and how to continue to grow in this new faith that they have. And so one uh, theme that you see in the book amidst all the persecution is the theme of the second coming of Christ when he comes again. You see it at, over and over at the end. You know, what happens at the end? We see in chapter 4 that the Thessalonians are actually worried about some of these things. They're, they're asking questions about, you know, the people that have already died. What's happening to them? You know, what, what will they experience? And so, uh, as we think about death, though, I think we tend to think about the second coming even less, don't we? You know, we believe it won't happen in our lifetime. If it hasn't happened in 2,000 years, it's probably not going to happen while we're here. And honestly, it's easier for me to not just not think about it sometimes, because there's a lot of hard questions that come with that. So, but for me, as I've studied 1 Thessalonians, we kind of went through it as a ministry last semester uh, with WVU Crew, and it has just become a book that I have loved because it's a book of hope, and I think it gives us hope for what happens in the end, no matter, no matter what, whether it's going to be death or the second coming of Christ. And so we're going to read it together. Starting in uh, chapter 5, verses 12 to 28, uh, the verses will be on the screen, but I do encourage you, you should always bring your Bibles, you can write notes or something to write notes in. It's really good to do that. So starting in verse 12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are and over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So looking at this passage, I counted 22 commands that we're given in this passage. And going through and looking at each and every one of them could be a beneficial exercise. We're not going to look at 22 points tonight, thankfully. But there are some really great ones. And even in the context of leadership, as you guys are being challenged to be leaders, as I understand, coming up for next year. There are some great things to look at, like verse 14 is one to look at for that. But 
I think the key verses for all of 1 Thessalonians comes in this section, which are verses 23 and 24. And it says again, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. So this is a short two-verse prayer that Paul is kind of praying for them right in the middle of his letter, and it's for the Thessalonians, and it's really powerful. So we're going to break it down and kind of look at that tonight. But the College of Health Assessment, the National College of Health Assessment in 2019 showed some pretty amazing statistics about you guys, about college students. And some of you may not have been college students then. I looked for data for more recent, but that was the most recent I could find. And it said during, uh, at that time, 87% of students indicated that they felt overwhelmed by everything they had to do. I see some head nodding. Yes, I feel that way. I think it was 60, 65% said that they were so overwhelmed they felt a crippling anxiety in their life. That's over half. And another uh, 45 experienced depression so deep that it was also difficult to function um, in their life. And even hearing some of your stories, and I know that this is true. These statistics, the thoughts of, um, of depre- having depression thoughts and thoughts of suicide have more than doubled in the decade um, prior. So this is something totally new from even what I experienced in college that you guys are going through. And amidst all that the Thessalonians were experiencing and going through, I think it's really, really cool and really like powerful to think about what Paul calls. He says, may the God of peace sanctify you. And so Paul is telling them, you know, there that God who brings, that it's God who brings peace and will sanctify you. So let's not underestimate the promise that he's saying here. He's just, well, sorry, we'll go back just a bit. So there's some other verses that I think have been really powerful for me to even think about this. Uh, went through some difficult times with my daughter with some medical issues, and she's still doing that. But these verses have been good for me in these difficult times. Isaiah 26, 3, it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Probably a little more well-known verse is from Philippians 4, 6 and, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So again, he's saying that God who brings peace will sanctify you. Sanctify you. And he's just, let's look back again, he's just given them a list of 19 other commands. There's a few other that come after this. There's like 19 things that they're supposed to do. And you think about your to-do list and being overwhelmed and all that, thinking of this huge list. And then, but then he goes from that and he says, may the God of peace sanctify you, which means to be made or declared holy. So while we have this whole list of things to do, it's still God who makes us holy is what he's reminding them of. And as we think about death or Jesus's return, I bet it's true in my life. One of the most common questions that we think about is, will my life be enough? Have I done enough? Will it be enough? You know, even if we know the gospel, that it's Jesus who we stand on, it's his life that we stand on, there's still a doubt sometimes that creeps in, right? That, that, tend, that we tend to think these things. And here we have the amazing promise that it's God who keeps us blameless. And so that was like really a kind of a talk that wanted to talk, the God who keeps us blameless until he comes. So knowing this whole list of commands that comes before it though, if it's God who keeps us blameless, this list of commands are the things that we get to do, not the list of things that we have to do. 
right? The, it's the Thanksgiving. I was even talking, so this is a little bit off script. Uh, I was talking to an international student yesterday who was an atheist, didn't believe God at all, and this was like the point that really stuck with him. We had talked about science and evolution. He was a PhD math student, you know, super smart guy, and the thing that I felt like clicked for him near the end was just this idea of freedom that we have in the gospel to live out our faith and do good things because not because we have to, but because we get to be, it's a thanksgiving for what we've already received. And so just in case, you know, we miss what Paul is saying here, you know, that we're sanctified, that he keeps us, he kind of clarifies it even further by going on to say completely, that he sanctifies us completely. And that's really my second point. So there are whole books as well written about the next few words there about what it means to be a man. It talks about being, uh, you know, spirit, soul, and body. You can take seminary courses on what that means and whether there's a difference between soul and spirit or not. We're not going to get into that tonight, but I think Paul is actually talking here just to emphasize the point that we are sanctified both in our inner being and our outer being, both in our material self and our immaterial self. All of us, whatever comprises everything of us, that it's everything that is sanctified by the Lord. And so I have another question for you guys, though. It's going to be, it's a bit of a turn. I want you guys to discuss, what do you think is the biggest and most important moment in the history of the world? Okay, discuss that together. What do you think is the biggest, most important moment in the history of the world? Go ahead. All right, so I don't know if you guys are readers. I know people don't read too many books anymore, but I love to read. I love reading fiction, particularly like fantasy fiction and stuff. My favorite author just won the biggest like Kickstarter campaign of all time. It's pretty cool stuff. Come talk to me after. I'm a nerd. I know, but so English majors can correct me on this later if you want, but isn't the total, isn't the like usual like arc of a story kind of like rising tension all the way up to the climax of a story, then it kind of tails off, you have the end, and To me, I think I have always thought, uh, as we approach Easter, the biggest moment in the history of the world was the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, right? That it was this big climax moment of reaching the pinnacle of things. And then, I honestly, up until studying 1 Thessalonians, I thought the second coming was kind of like this this one-day kind of like party that we would have, you know, into the epilogue of eternity, that I call it. You know, it's just kind of this thing. But the more I studied it and the more I realized that that's not true at all, 
that I really think it's more like this, that the second coming, well, I'm running out of space, sorry, this is not, not planned, but really the second coming, I think, is the most important moment in the history of the world. It is promised to us, we know it is true, it may not have happened yet for us, but that is the, the big thing. And don't get me wrong, Jesus' death and his life and his resurrection are incredibly huge things. And for maybe for the person here or anyone else that you know that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, that is probably the most important thing to share with them. But for the Christian, as we think about it, that it, it is so much bigger. We think about Jesus came to redeem us the first time. He came to redeem man, redeem our hearts. When he comes again, he's coming to redeem the whole world, all of it, everything, our material self, immaterial, all of it is this huge thing. It is so much bigger in magnitude than I think we ever thought, and we don't talk about it that much. Go through the Bible and look at like the second coming when it talks about when he comes again and the day of judgment and these things, and you'll see it's all over it, but we talk so much about our past and don't look to where we're going. And it's so much more important. Well, maybe not more important, but it's, I, th- I would argue it's the biggest moment in the history of the world. And so, um, so that gets me really excited. And so I would say at the end, though, everyone is going to have two options, which you guys have probably been looking at. You're going to have an option of relying on yourself and what you have done, or you're going to be relying on the Lord to keep you blameless before him, perfect and pure, and so that we can spend eternity with him. And so if you haven't made that choice, so where the, whether you're going to be lying on yourself and haven't trusted in Jesus for him to keep you blameless, and you want to talk about that with someone, I, please do before you leave tonight. But my third point is similar to the first two about being sanctified completely, is that um, there are 11 words at the end of this, of these two verses that are just so incredibly powerful that should rock your world, that he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it. Again, Paul is reminding us of something here. I'm going to tell you guys why this has rocked me in my life um, as I read it and studied it. Because when I was, um, well, I'll just say, one of my favorite narratives in Scripture is John 21, from John chapter 21. It's the story of when Peter is uh, reconciled with the Lord. You know, they see Jesus again, and he comes, and, and Jesus walks him through, you know, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know that I do. Three times he asked him to do this stuff. And there's so much there. We could talk for another hour about that tonight, but we won't. But one of the things I I always loved at the end of that um, section, which we're going to read just real quick. Well, also to go back to before that in John 13, what what did Peter do? He said to Jesus, I will never leave you, right? I will never forsake you. I will die for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, Peter, before, you know, the sun comes up again and the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so it was kind of this pride that was in him that said he would die for Jesus, and he doesn't. He just feels terrible. And then he has this conversation um, with Jesus at the end in John chapter 21. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking to Peter. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And see, what he's saying here to Peter is essentially that, Peter, when you were young, you made all your own decisions in your own pride and your own arrogance and all these things. You thought you were the one that was going to like make it through all of this. But that's not true. You said you would die for me. 
and you, you, know, you abandoned me. But I'm telling you, Peter, you are going to die for me. You are going to die for me in the end. And it's not going to be because of your strength. It's going to be because of my strength and where I take you and where I lead you. And it'll be because of me. You will glorify me in your death. And to me, that was just like such an amazing promise that Peter got. And I used to think, man, what an amazing gift that Peter had to have this assurance from the Lord that he would walk to the end with Jesus and die for him in a way that would glorify God. What an amazing promise. You know, one commentary puts, kind of puts it like this as we, look at, as we look at 1 Thessalonians, that our fidelity to God depends on us and his, or say, depends upon his faithfulness to us. As we look at um, 1 Thessalonians, though, that what we see is that we have that same promise, right? He says that he who is faithful will surely do it. So that we can trust God that he will keep us until Jesus comes again to redeem the whole world. And it's all because of what God has done, not because of what we do. And so tonight, I just wanted to, there's not a lot of application to this. I mean, other than if you want to go back and look at the 22 other commands of what you can do and get to do because of this promise that the Lord has, please do that. There is a lot there that is worth studying and doing. But I would love you to leave with this promise, this assurance that if you know Christ and you have trusted him and know who he is and follow him, that you will be kept blameless until he comes again. And that is just an incredible thing to know. And that gives us the freedom to live out our faith. But I'm going to pray to close. And I would like to actually pray this for you guys. It's, an, it's a short prayer that Paul gives, but I would like to pray it for you guys. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the